0: Welcome to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast presented by NELA Illinois, the podcast that discusses the policies, regulations, and laws that affect our workplaces, presented primarily from the perspective of employee or plaintiff side lawyers. We are your hosts, Amit Bindra and Max Barrett. We are members of the board of directors of NILA, Illinois, the Illinois chapter of the National Employment Lawyers Association. A nonprofit collection of attorneys who empower workplace rights.
1: And welcome back to Employee to Lawyer, the Employment Law Podcast presented by Neela, Illinois. We are your hosts. I'm Max Barrick. And I'm Ahmed Bindra. Got him. And we are once again lucky to be speaking with our mutual good friend, Charlie Franklin, who is a partner at Franklin Green Swag Channon and Capilla LLC. We really encourage everybody to go back and hear Charlie's first episode where he spent time telling us about his work defending professional licenses, navigating those really complicated, more than 400 systems and the like. Charlie, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. You know, thanks for having me, Max. and I'm a so, last time you were on, like I said, we talked about your very unique practice. We want to talk a little bit about you personally, but we also wanted to build on that last episode. So, before we get into you, who you are and and what got you here, you have any good war stories you'd like to share about about your practice, whether the hair extensions cases or any any real interesting ones you can share?
2: I've been fortunate. I I've been blessed. I've been involved in some interesting. In a case that I find very rewarding, but it just you know to, to choose one or the other. Who knows? I've I've had one in the past. We I, in a, in the last episode I mentioned one where we represented somebody where the, a licensee who was a reprimand he was fined and reprimanded 20 years ago and given a minimal fine of $500, and it turned out the state was overreaching uh, on that situation. But I've had other situations besides doing. Licensing work. I do a lot of insurance coverage work, and I've been involved in some situations of the football helmet cases and stuff like that, which has been pretty interesting. Doing coverage work and, and you know, CT and, and 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 concussions and stuff, and it just and how they interplay with the insurance and which policies would apply and not. So those are all interesting things. And again, I've you know, it just I, I've been involved. I, like I said, I've been involved. Fortunately, in, in a lot of interesting cases, including there was a, a case involving the city of Dixon, which was a, a financial investment case, and, and, and others. So, you know, I, I, I don't have a particular Great War story to, to say.
0: Well, one thing Max told me about you is that you've had a super unique childhood and kind of lived in a bunch of different places growing up. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Good.
2: Okay. I did. I grew up primarily overseas. So in the 1950s, I'm I'm 60, I'm 67 now. In the 1950s, we lived in Vietnam and Saigon, which is now Ho Chi Minh City. And my sister was born there. This was before. This was between the French. When the French left in 1954, and the American presence became much bigger in the early 60s. We were there in the fifties and believe it or not, there were Americans there then, even though it's not heavily publicized. I went to a French school with my brother, one of my brothers, and we lived there and I grew up overseas. So we ended up, my father was a consultant and we lived in Bangladesh for five years. We lived in Thailand. We lived in, I went to high school in Indonesia, in fact, Barack Obama's sister who's substantially younger than me and I would not have known her, but went to the same school I went and in, in Jakarta. And that's where I went to high school. But my parents also we spent time in Ghana and in the Sudan and Khartoum. And so basically because my father and my parents wanted to see the world, that's what we did. And so I grew up overseas and you you end up viewing the United States and our systems I think differently. There's something called a third culture kid. And these are the kids like me who grew up overseas with uh, all different kinds of personalities. And it, it does affect you, like you know, how you look at the United States, how you look at the world and look at events and at least for many of us. And to this day, even though there were many kids that I only knew for two years, I'm still friendly with you know, we still see, I was just down in Houston a few, you know, a couple of months ago, frankly, at a reunion of sorts where I saw six kids that were in my, that I knew from, you know, my senior class in high school. And it was, it was kind of fun. We all look a little older. I can't say wiser, certainly grayer. And it's, and it's funny. One of the things that I learned is people's voices, you know, their, their looks change, but their voices don't. And as soon as they open their mouth, you go back to calling them by their stupid nicknames.
1: I love that. It, oh. I, I hope the nicknames weren't that stupid or offensive, or it might not be so much fun 40 years
2: later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were kind of stupid. They're kind of stupid and offensive. Was,
1: oh, you know, oh pea pants it's good to see you after four decades. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, have yeah, changed
2: yeah. a bit. They, were, they weren't quite like that, but, you know, one, you know, it was it was kind of funny. One person who's, who she, you know, I always knew her as, as her nickname. She goes, Don't call me that. I hate that. I've always hated that. Who knew? You know, <laughs>
0: well, I think you got to tell us now your nickname.
2: <laughs> Her name was Beryl.
0: No, no, I meant yours. <laughs> Why? My, yours. Yeah.
2: Beryl. Beryl. I was, Charlie. I was innocuous. Okay. I, I was the fly in the wall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sometimes that's a good place <laughs> so to be as a like kid. Stupid. I
0: was jerk or stupid or something.
1: Okay. Like that. <laughs> um,
0: So how did you end up in Chicago after all of that?
2: I ended. I started off at the uh, as a as a short story. I got a job here. No, I I started off at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, and I ended up going to Michigan because because my brothers were there at the time. And I know when you get discharged from the Air Force, they'll give you a ticket anywhere you want to go in the U.S. And since my brother, my parents at the time were living overseas. And so I ended up going to Ann Arbor and getting in and going to college at Michigan there. And then for law school, I had enough of winter and I wanted to go someplace where you, you know, you can wear a T-shirt year round. And so I went to the University of Miami thinking it would be just like Michigan, both, you know, have a great time, all this kind of stuff. Law school's not quite that way, but I did go to Miami. And in Miami, they had a, the dean had a connection with some Chicago law firms. She had been previously very involved at the and on the faculty of University of Chicago, and there was so there were Chicago firms that would recruit down in Miami. And I was lucky enough; I got hired at the beginning of my senior year, so I didn't I never had to look for a job. And so a firm up here hired me, and I moved to Chicago. I wanted to live in a big city, and I ended up living moving to Chicago and and that's how I ended up here.
0: All right, so you lived in Vietnam, Bangladesh, Thailand, Indonesia, Michigan, Miami, Chicago. What was the best spot?
2: I had a great time in Jakarta, in Indonesia, that was in you know, high school, and I had a great time in Ann Arbor. You know, they are sort of, well, you know, I, I know it's is high school better than college. It, it sort of depends. I had a great time of both. You know, Ann Arbor, you know, Max can probably attest to, or at least I hope he can. Ann Arbor is a great place if you live there year round. And I lived there year round. And it was, uh, summers are terrific. It's It was just, it was great. And in Indonesia, it was also, you have a lot of freedoms that you didn't have necessarily here. Or you no longer have here. And my in Jakarta, my senior, year, my parents moved away. So I basically I, I didn't live. I haven't lived with my parents since I was a junior in high school. I didn't. My parents are deceased. My my father's deceased. My my mother's. Dead. But it was. I lived with a family, and it was. So you you're you're independent, and it was. You know, it was great because you know you 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 have almost. You're in high school. You have almost no responsibilities. So you know I would say it's a tie between those two. My brothers would say Bangladesh but it was also their high school
1: experience. I I don't and know that my, I my can parents, say I had those experiences so that that that's a lot of yeah. that's a lot of interesting and you you're probably one of the few people in this world who can say you've lived all these different types of places It has a basis to comparison cuz I don't know a lot of people who can live in quite such a varied set you know Grand Rapids Michigan Ann Arbor Michigan Jakarta, Bangladesh Ghana Yeah
0: yeah well that's what I think They're the third culture kids. You still do a lot of traveling?
2: Not very much. You know, I'm much more of an armchair traveler. I do love travel shows, and I still like watching all that stuff, much to my wife's chagrin, You know, she sits there watching like this, you know, and, you know, it's funny. We all, My my oldest brother and his wife were just in England for, they went, they were there for a month, just driving around all over, well, it's the UK all over Great Britain, all you know, Scotland, all over. And my brother took, you know, I don't know, five hundred slot as little pictures. And, you know, now you just watch them on TV. And my other brother and I, we're fascinated. We're watching the whole thing. You know, our wife, meanwhile, are like, you know, can we get this over? You know, it's enough already. You've seen one picture, you've seen, you know, so I, I still like that. I still and, and I keep on saying one day I'll I'll travel some more but unfortunately I'm not in that kind of So
1: I guess switching back to your profession then you you're one of the better networkers that I'm at and I know I mean that's how I know you I know you from I think like three different networking groups that we've participated in at various points together so I I guess how did you go about learning those skills and and getting to the point where you were able to I mean I know you your firm's merged recently to to sort of form one but for a while I think you were on your own right Yeah yeah I was yeah So how did how did you get to that point? How did you learn all these business development skills and and how did you get to this point?
2: Stumbling my way through, you know, it's it's, you know, it's it's, you know, 90 percent is just showing up. It's think, you know, growing up as I did, you get you learn the skill to make friends quickly. And I want to say deeply, at least, you know, to to be sincere and all that, which helps in networking. You know, if you're open and up front and just you don't have to be impolite, you don't have to be domineering, but you can be participatory. One of those things. The other thing is, is I also learned getting involved automatically makes it. A network I never really thought about this is networking I'm networking and this is what I have to do you know and follow all these steps and I'm not very good at that a lot of it I sort of learn on the, on the job. I'm very fortunate to be fortunate. I was luck has played a great deal in my life in what I've done. I moved to Northbrook, and in, which is a great suburb. A lot of successful people live here. I got involved. I had three boys. They were all involved in sports. I always liked sports. I would watch them, and I decided, you know, I could coach them as anybody else, you know, as, as well as anybody else. I always liked coaching. I always liked teaching. Well, I became very active in youth sports and people find out you're a lawyer and they want to talk to you for two minutes, you know, can I talk to you for something? Or, or you know, other coaches are also lawyers or whatever. And the whole thing about networking is relationship building and being familiar and being trusting. Well, people see how you act with their kids, and if you're a jerk or not, or how you act in games with in a, you know, in adversarial situations, if you're a jerk or if you're not, or if you're calm or, or whatever, you make your kids comfortable, they feel comfortable. And so, you know, most of my, or not most of my, many of my bigger cases came as a result of coaching kids, you know, and their parents approaching me. That's how I got involved in the football helmet case. That's how I got involved in the Sydney Dixon case. That's how I got involved in it. In and a huge case where someone a a very wealthy individual was embezzled out of a lot of money in you know and and they were too embarrassed to talk to anybody about it and you know how I got involved in in that so like I said it's been I've been very lucky in in that situation and you know but it was and I didn't realize it was networking but that's what I was
1: you know like I like what you said about half of life. I mean, I know that's a common phrase, but just showing up to stuff. I even heard that at a at a med school graduation recently, which was last year, which was, you know, the dirty secret about student government or just people who were in charge in life. Half the time, it's just, they're the only person who showed up to do something and they just didn't know anybody else could fill the roles. So being there, being competent and being a good person, I, I, I like those as messages you're sending. Cause those are not yeah. impossible things for most people to, I mean, you I guess for some people, those things would be hard, but in theory, anybody can do that.
2: Anybody, anybody. I have no special skill. Unfortunately, I'm not a, I can't play the piano. You know, yes, I can read notes. I can't play the piano. I can't, there's so many things I can't do, but it's, you know, it's like I said, I've been very lucky. Persistence is important.
1: I, 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 in the realm of what you can do, I got to ask, how many languages can you now or have you ever been able to speak given all the different places you've lived?
2: At one time, well, English, obviously, a little bit Latin, you know. But it's—I went to a French school, so I must have been able. And my report cards are in French, so I must have been able to speak French, although I can't really converse. Although in certain circumstances it comes in. And you think it? Indonesia was is a very easy language. You could speak Indonesian. Anybody can speak Indonesian if you. You know, if you if you put your mind Bengali very difficult. I could not. Speak, you could you know you you learn like pigeon Bengali, which is you know ami Bangla Bujina. That means I don't speak Bengali. You know, but it's you learn how to count. You learn you know right left please where do I go you know words like that and that would be that would be uh, you know I wish I could one time you could read Hebrew I can't do that you know I you know but but Indonesia. Indonesian it is very English, it is very easy and that frankly anybody can learn it because there are no tenses, which you know English is a very difficult language to learn. It is in Roman in, in Roman letters, so you can read it. we can all read it. There are no plurals. you just double the word. It's very allegorical, so you think of a butterfly is actually is a goo gubu, which is a wing wing, which that's what it means. You know, it you know there is a spy, Amata Hari. Her name means sun. Hari is day, and mata's eye. You know, so it's 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 eye of the day, which is the sun. It's just it's it's very, and like I said, there are no tenses. So it's I go, we go, he go, she go, whatever. It's all go. It's not goes and you know went or anything like that and the and there are no the past and future tense you just put a word in front of it. The bloom or or nanti which is later or not yet and that's it you know it's the same word pergi bloom pergi nanti you know or, or you know it's it's not it, it's it's so it, it's very very easy and it's so we in you learn indonesian so i would say indonesian well i used to speak into that i can't you know, a, a problem that I do have is that a lot of times you can't remember—is that word Indonesian, or is it Bengali, or is it French? Or you, th- you know, you think about them all. Swatu—that means shoe. Well, is that Spanish, or is that Indonesian? It's actually both. You know, but whatever—it's you know, things like that.
1: I I learned that I, because right, the Philippines were colonized by by Spain before the U.S gave them the pleasure of giving us our presence there for God knows how long and but that in Tagalog right like there are some words that are similar in that in Spanish too, so it's kind of cool when you get to see that cultural overplay, even if there are some imperialistic reasons why they why those things exist
2: Well, the Dutch were in Indonesia for a lot longer than America's been in America, believe it or not, you know the Dutch were in Indonesia for like four hundred years
1: were they ejected Indonesia. did the Japanese eject them in World War two It's been a while since I, yes uh... they did.
2: They did. They never they never got back in. The Dutch never got back. in. Not really, at
1: least. Yeah. So after I derailed us once again, I, I wanted to ask, has the way you've networked over time changed? Like, the, you know, your approach at one point was just showing up, maybe some good fortune, not realizing you were doing it. I, I get the sense your efforts are a little bit more deliberate these days.
2: Yeah. I mean, I do a lot of Zoom meetings. I've joined a lot of organizations. I think Zoom, I think, you know, have all been a good thing because it allows you to get that much to spread that much more, send your tentacles out and become wider known. Just give speeches, you know, to 500 people or to 200 people or, you know, 50 people, whatever. It, it gives you that opportunity and, you know, that format. So I'm, you know, I've, I've joined various organizations part of the thing people who work with me, I tell everyone, they have to join something. They got to become involved. They got to join because it is, you know, while network is is the word, it's all about letting people know who you are. To me, one of the things I have always lived by is fame is fleeting. I've always, you know, people forget who you are. And so you have to constantly be there. You know, and I've always remembered that famous, famous fleeting. I was fortunate when I first started at practicing law. My mentor, if you will, said you have to have clients. Everybody else, while well, lawyers, we don't like to think of ourselves as fungible. Everybody can litigate. Everybody can do this. Everybody can do that. But not everybody has clients, and that's what makes you different. And I never forgot that. You know that that's when I first was a young lawyer. I would you know invite an adjuster to lunch, you know I decided i they annoy and you build a a friend and they would call you you know you, after that they they would call you as opposed to the guy in the next office and they became your client and within the insurance industry, at least a lot of them well, at least at one time would migrate that was the way how they got raises. you know an adjuster would go from or a claims representative would go from this company to a different company and you got a raise. So and if he left and went to that company, there was a good chance he would call you, which we now instead of just representing the original insurance company, you now may have to because somebody had to take his place. And those were all things. that you know, I, I took to heart and I did also.
0: And to your point, when you're you know coaching a basketball game or a soccer game, you develop a relationship with someone, they're not necessarily hiring you at that point because they've no. seen your legal brief. Argue because they know, they know you.
2: That's correct. That's correct. But that's why most people get hired. Most people don't get hired because they say, "I saw your legal re- your legal brief. It was brilliant." Most people don't see a legal brief. I don't no, know. You, you haven't the seen... judge and your opponents.
1: You haven't seen Charlie argue an offsides call before. He's uh, he's very persuasive. <laughs> what are you kidding? I can't <laughs> believe. <laughs> no, but the point is well taken. Charlie. Yeah. Charlie, so your name's on the door. It's one of a few names on the door before. Um, are there any lessons you've kind of come across or any kind of truisms or just anything you've, you've learned about owning a legal practice that, I don't know, that you think is just wise? Well, don't be an
2: asshole, you know, number one. What goes around comes around. I've got, and just on you, you've got to put me on the spot. I have three. My handbook is three things, you know. One is, you know. Don't lie to me, you know. Which is fine, you know. Don't embarrass me, you know. If you make a mistake, I mean, you made a mistake. We'll move on. Don't embarrass me, which means don't embarrass yourself, you know. So don't do anything stupid, you know. Don't, you know. Just think about what it's going to look like as Exhibit A or whatever. Just, you know. Don't embarrass yourself, and don't take me for granted. You know, I'm 99%, not 90, well, you know, a 99%, 90% of the time, I'm going to let you do what you want to do. Just keep me informed. Just let me know what's happening. And, you know, that that's fine. And those are my three things that I lived by since I opened, since I started practicing law and had people working for me. And it seemed to have worked pretty well, frankly. You know, I have not, there have been a couple lawyers that I have let go. By and large, I haven't made, had to let go of many people. Most of the people that work for me have clerked for me, or they have been opposite me, you know, as a litigator, which is, you know, again, it's, I think it's, you know, because I'm, I'm, I try not to be a jerk. And I also, you know, relax and give people slack. Let them, you know, we don't have a lot of rules. We're not really rigid. And you have to show up at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock and you have to be there at 5 o'clock and you have to be there on Saturdays and you have to be there. you got to build this many hours, this, this much time. And you have to justify your existence. But that's sort of a an ambiguous standard. You know, what does that mean? Well, it means that we're all happy, copacetic with what we've done. And you, the people with you are are that way. If
0: you could go talk to the Charlie that's in Miami, you go back in time. What advice would you give them?
2: Go to school in, in Chicago.
0: <laughs> Why is that?
2: Because it's when you graduate from law school, at least what I found networks were really important and have been important in, in, in practicing law, at least initially. When I moved to Chicago, I knew nobody. I knew, you know, there were like four or five people that went to Miami and maybe got jobs here, but not a whole lot of people. And whereas if I'd gone to DePaul, or I'd gone to Kent, or I'd gone to Loyola, I would have graduated with an instant network. Most referrals come from, at least in my experience, in my kind of practice, come from other lawyers. It would have been a lot easier when, you you know, at the Daily Center, seeing people. I mean, I've built over time. I've certainly built those networks and stuff. But I remember going to a pretrial, and everybody knew everybody except me. And it felt very strange because this guy knew the judge, and he was classmates with that guy, who knew that guy. And right, you're at a tremendous disadvantage. Now, eventually that changes, but I would go to school if, you know, and that's advice I've given to many people, frankly. If they know, you know, unless they're going to go to Harvard or Michigan or, you know, some some place where they and they intend to, they have no idea where they want to practice. Go to school where you want to practice. If you want to work, if you want to live in Chicago, go to school in Chicago. So that's that's what I would tell the person in my end.
1: Charlie, before we wrap up, you want to plug? We will hopefully
2: get past these these strange times that we live in, these interesting times, and not so much. I hope it becomes more boring. Now, I mentioned before Future Institute. Hopefully we will have moved on and, and done. The Future Institute, is, is the, it's a, a, a system that supports a, it's It's a program that supports a charter school system throughout the Midwest where we're trying to get the transition of kids from high school to be higher, the, the percentage of kids who transition from high school to college to be more successful. is geared towards lower income, single family, first generation, poor kids who have this chance in front of them, but for whatever reason can't take advantage of it or aren't able to, to take advantage of it. And we're trying to get that more successful to change. We're trying to increase the the odds that they are successful at
1: it. Thanks for your important work on that, Charlie. One last time, if people want to find you for your expertise, to talk to you about all the cool places you've lived, to send you a case, or just to chat with you, how would they do that?
2: They can reach me, my office, which is Franklin Green Troy Channing, Capella. We're in Northfield. My phone number is 847-701-2250. And and I feel like I'm repeating it, but then it'd be like an that commercial with you know being like you're at like your your parents. but it is 84770 and my email address is C Franklin at F G C C law.
1: Charlie, thank you for giving us so much time on a Friday afternoon for your expertise, for the important work you do in this charter school network, and also helping folks with their licensing issues and for sharing your life story with us. Thanks to everybody at home for listening in as well and hanging out with us. Please subscribe and share.
0: Our podcast is intended to provide general reviews of employment laws. The statements and opinions provided in this podcast are just that, the host's opinions. We are not your attorney. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship, and it's not intended to provide specific legal advice. For legal questions, please consult with an attorney.